right. Thank you, choir. See, that's one of those songs where I get envious of people that can clap and stay on tempo when they clap because I can't do it. I can I can keep tempo with my foot all day long. I think I can keep tempo in my sleep with my foot. I can do a pretty good job slapping my knee, but I put two hands together and I don't know what happens. I'm all over the place, so I just can't I can't do it. I try, but I mess it all up. So I just have to slap my knee, and uh, I can keep it I can keep it that way. Uh, but uh, choir, thank you. Um, As you can already tell, no sense in trying to hide it. I'm struggling with my voice today. And so I've got a couple bottles of water up here. I've got about five cough drops and a tissue. And so when all that stuff runs out, we'll go home, okay? (laughs) And it may run out pretty quick. Uh, But but, um, this time in our service where we, uh, we open up God's word and we hear from him what he has to say. And uh, I'm just a messenger, right? Uh, God's word is the thing that brings change in our in our hearts and lives. And so we want to hear from him uh, through his word. And so let's just pause for a moment and ask him to speak into our hearts through his Holy Spirit um, as we look into his word that he's given to us. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for uh, the joy of singing songs of praise to you. Father, we thank you for your word. We can learn about who you are. We can learn about who we are. We can learn about how you work in our lives and what you expect of us. Uh, Father, we learn about your mercy and your grace. And so, Father, in these next next few minutes, Father, would you give us um, ears to hear, Father, hearts to, to listen and receive your word. Father, speak into each one of our hearts as individuals. Speak into our to our heart as a church, Lord, from your word. Father, strengthen me. Father, as I seek to deliver your word, Father, may you receive the honor and the glory and the praise that is due your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to think of that person in your life. That person in your life, maybe it's just one, maybe more than one. We'll just go with one for now. Think of that person in your life that whenever you are in need of prayer and you think, I need someone to pray for me, who do you call? Who is that person in your life? Maybe it's a parent, maybe a grandparent, maybe it's a son or a daughter, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a friend that lives somewhere far off and thanks to technology you can pick up a phone and you can call them. Maybe it's a fellow church member. Maybe it's a Sunday school teacher or a brother or sister in Christ that you've known for a while. Who is that person when you are standing in need of prayer that you think, man, if I could have this person praying for me, why is it that that person comes to your mind? Perhaps you know that that's a person that walks closely with the Lord. Maybe it's a person that you know when they say, I'm praying for you, they mean it. Maybe it's someone that you've heard pray and you just know that they love speaking to the Lord. It's probably someone that you know cares about you. And so you know when you ask for prayer, 
they're not just going to say words, but they're going to feel whatever it is that you're feeling as they take you, your name, before the Father. Now, how would we describe that person? How would we describe that person that you're hopefully thinking of now? Maybe a lot of different words would come to mind, but one phrase that we could use to describe that person is a prayer warrior. A prayer warrior. We say that we see that phrase in the Bible, not necessarily, but I do think we see that truth or the principle of being a prayer warrior taught and explained in Scripture. Not only do we see it taught, but we see examples of prayer warriors in Scripture. Whether you thought of someone or not, as I ask you to think about who that person was, today we're all going to leave knowing a prayer warrior. Now, we're not going to get to shake their hand, okay? We're not going to get to know them uh, in person because they lived a long time ago. Hey, darling. <laughs> She's okay. Um, they're not going to... I got three, though. They don't distract me. I was joking with somebody the other day, and I said, but I don't remember, somebody here probably, I said, people probably think I'm rude to my kids because they probably see them trying to talk to me, and I'm just ignoring them. But if I didn't ignore them sometimes, you know, I just I just go crazy. Sometimes you just got to shut them out. Um, uh, and so... That sounded bad, but you know, if you if you're a parent, you know what I mean. Um, and so, anyways, um, I want us to I want us to meet someone that I think is a prayer warrior. And I never thought about this person. Well, to be honest, I've never thought about this person a whole lot because they're only mentioned just a few times. This person's only mentioned a few times in the Bible. Um, but I've definitely never thought of this person as a prayer warrior. But as I was as I was just looking through Scripture, this, this individual just jumped out in my mind. And so as we today talk about the last mark of a healthy church member, now we could go on and on with this series. There's all sorts of marks of a healthy church member. We're going we're gonna to conclude this series today with, uh, with this final mark of a healthy church member, and that is a healthy church member is a prayer warrior. Healthy church member is a prayer warrior. So if you will, turn to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians. And I know maybe you think, oh, we must, we, maybe we're going to talk about Paul because Paul is the, is the human author of this letter to the church at Colossae, but we're not. We're going to talk about a friend of Paul's. I want to introduce you to a man that we don't know hardly anything about. His name is Epaphras. Epaphras. We have his name, um, as far as I can tell, three times in Scripture. Two of those times are in the book of Colossians. The other place, we don't learn a whole lot about him except that he was a prisoner for Christ along with Paul. But we learn about him in Colossians. Now, we're going to be in chapter 4, but I want you to just briefly turn to chapter 1. Because this is the first place where we learn about Epaphras. We see his name there in verse 7. But I want us to start back up in verse 5. Paul is talking about giving thanks to God for the Colossians. And then in verse 5, he says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Here's verse 7. Just as you learned it, now that it is the gospel, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And he has made known to us 
your love in the Spirit. So we first thing we know about Epaphras is that he went to the Colossians and he preached the gospel to them. And they received the gospel. And that he's a faithful minister of Christ. Now I want us to go to the end of Colossians chapter 4. And we're just going to look at two verses. Verse 12 and 13. Chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. That's pretty much all we know about this man named Epaphras. He went to the Colossians. He shared the gospel with them. Many received the gospel. A church was started there. He leaves. He's with Paul. And he is struggling on their behalf in his prayers for them. He is struggling on their behalf in his prayers for them. Now, you may say, well, that doesn't sound like much of a resume. Not very impressive. If that's all he's known for in his life, well, it doesn't seem like he did a whole lot. But I would argue that Epaphras was a man who pleased the Lord. That Epaphras was a man whose life brought much honor and glory to God because he was a prayer warrior. He struggled on others' behalf. In his prayers for them. Four truths that I want us to see about a prayer warrior today. I'm excited about this, these two verses. I'm excited about Epaphras. I'm excited to talk about prayer. I'm not going to show a whole lot of excitement because if I do, I'm going to lose my voice really quick. Okay? So I'm going to keep it, try to keep low key up here, but just know that um, I, I'm very excited about, about talking about prayer today. The first truth answers this question. Why fight? Why fight? When we think about a warrior, the the thought of a battle comes to mind, right? That's where we find warriors. We find them in battles. Well, what in the world does, does a battle have to do with prayer? Why are we to be fighting? Truth number one, a prayer warrior understands a battle is raging. A prayer warrior understands that a battle is raging. I want you to notice that word there in verse 12. Your translation may use a slightly different word, but it should be very similar. Epaphras is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. He greets you always struggling. Always struggling. And this word is not struggling like you meet somebody, you see, you see your friend in the grocery store, and you're like, hey, how you doing? Like, man, I'm struggling today. This is a tough day. This is a hard day. I'm struggling. That's not what that's not what it means that Epaphras is just having a bad day and he's struggling all the time. This struggle is the struggle of a battle where I'm fighting against someone. I'm fighting against someone, as we'll see in a moment, on someone else's behalf. There's this struggle going on that Epaphras is Epaphras is engaged in this battle, this combat, if you will. A spiritual battle is raging inside of us and outside of us every moment of every day. 
A spiritual battle is raging inside of us and outside of us every single day. Now, because it's a spiritual battle, it's easy for us to lose sight of it and to forget that from the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we go to sleep at night, and sometimes maybe even in our sleep, there is a spiritual battle going on. It rages. We see this all throughout Scripture. This battle inside of us, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. For instance, Paul says to the Galatians, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's this, there's this sinfulness and work inside of us, even as believers. There's this leftover sin nature that still hasn't worked, got itself worked out of us through our dependence upon the Lord, through Bible study, through prayer. And it is trying to keep us from doing the things that we know we ought to be doing. There's a battle raging in us. James said this, What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? He's talking, to, he's talking to believers. He says, what causes you to fight with one another? What causes you to get mad with one another and, and rage against one another? And, and in, our, in our humanness, we want to go, because she said that, because he did this to me. And we want to point the finger, right? Here's the answer James gives. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war? Within you, your passions are at war within you. The desires of our hearts are at war among us. We want things. We want to get our way. And those passions are at war. There is a battle inside of us, but there's also a battle outside of us raging each and every day. The battle between us and the devil. Paul said to the Ephesians, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle. Think about the word struggle from Epaphras' life. We do not wrestle or struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days and having done all to stand firm. Clearly, there is a battle going on, a battle for our hearts. There's a war inside of us and there's a war outside of us. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. You think the you think resisting a lion is just a walk in the park? Well, it'll look more like a battle. Resisting a lion is going to look more like a battle, right? We are in a spiritual battle every moment of every day. And this spiritual battle is the backdrop for Paul's description of Epaphras' prayer life. This doesn't make any sense. If what Epaphras is doing doesn't make any sense if we don't realize that there is a spiritual battle going on in us and around us all the time. Why else would he be struggling, would he be fighting 
would he be going to battle on behalf of the Christians in the church at Colossae in his prayers? See, prayer is one of our key weapons in the spiritual battle that we fight every day. It's a weapon, though, that we often don't take out, don't take out and use. It really is. We kind of leave it on the shelf. We leave it back in the armory, and we don't utilize it. And often, unfortunately, when we do use it, we use it for the wrong purposes. We take out this weapon that is meant for spiritual warfare, and we use it as a way to try to get things that we want. However, it's a key weapon for a spiritual battle that we fight every day. Let's go back to that Ephesians passage for just a moment. That passage where Paul said, put on the full armor of God. That there's this, there's this war that's wage, being, being waged between the spiritual forces of evil and our hearts. After that, he says this, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I know that was a lot of words. Let me me break that down into three sections. There's this armor that we put on. And without diving into that passage too much, we could summarize that armor, righteousness, salvation, truth, readiness of the gospel as Jesus. Put on Jesus. Jesus is our armor. With a shield of faith, so we're trusting in Jesus. We're not doubting him. We're trusting in his power and his saving power. Then we have a a weapon to use, an offensive weapon. It's a sword. And that is the Word of God. So often we stop right there. But notice what comes right along with us putting on the armor and using the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication is that type of prayer where we're asking God for things, for Him to work in our lives. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. So even in that passage on the armor of God, we see that that armor doesn't really work. That sword doesn't really work if we're not going into battle in a spirit of prayer. Not only for ourselves, but as that passage in Ephesians ends, making supplication, again, prayer for all the saints. That means praying for others, for other believers. Jesus is our armor, the word of God is the spirit, and we wield that sword in prayer. I wonder if one reason, maybe perhaps the main reason, that we often, our prayer lives don't often look like they should. And maybe yours does, but I know for me, mine doesn't look like it should most of the time. And I think maybe the main reason is that we just forget that we're in a battle. We forget that we're in a battle. We get so comfortable in our lives and just our routines of life, and we forget that there is a battle raging around us. When you forget that you're in a battle, you not only forget to put on your armor, 
and fight, you forget to radio back to headquarters for help, for instructions, for reinforcements and supplies. But then when you go to battle, you're fighting for somebody, right? There's somebody that you're fighting for. Who are we fighting for? Number two, our truth number two, as we think about a prayer warrior is this. A prayer warrior goes to battle for the benefit of others. A prayer warrior goes to battle for the benefit of others. Notice Epaphras. He's struggling on your behalf in his prayers. This prayer is a battle, and he's going to battle on behalf of others. Not simply for himself but for his brothers and sisters in Christ. These people at the church at Colossae, who he had shared the gospel with and helped lead them to faith in Christ, but then he just didn't leave them off by themselves. He had to leave physically, but he continued lifting them before the Father. He is struggling on their behalf. You talk to war vets, and one of the common themes you'll hear is the importance of and even motivation that comes along with fighting alongside your fellow soldiers. Really, winning a battle is about camaraderie. If every soldier on the battlefield fought only for himself and didn't care about those around him, to his right or to his left, in front of him or behind him, that army would lose every time. The same is true in our spiritual battle. You're not in the battle by yourself. I am not in the battle by myself. We are in the battle with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're fighting on the same side. We're on the same team. And we need one another. Why would we not support one another? Using something as powerful as prayer. He struggled on their behalf. And over and over we see examples in Scripture of believers praying for one another. The church at Jerusalem prayed for Peter while he was in prison. Paul, we see constantly throughout the letters that he, that he writes that he's praying for these churches. Almost every letter he begins by telling them how he is praying for them. Most often he's thanking God for them and then he's asking God to do things in the lives of his fellow Christians. You know, I wonder when I think about my prayer life and maybe this is true of you. Maybe maybe you're thinking, you know, I probably don't pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ as much as I should. I know I know As I've been thinking through this, thinking about Epaphras, I've been very convicted. I'm not sure that Paul would be able to say about me what he said about Epaphras. And I've been asking myself, as I've been looking at these two verses, why is that? Well, like I said, maybe one reason we forget that we're in a battle, but why don't I pray for others enough or more than I do? And I think that maybe sometimes it's because we don't slow down enough and take the time to ask one another about what's going on in your life. To stop and say, hey, let's just get to know one another a little on a little bit deeper level. So that I know this person that I then fight for in prayer. So we go to battle on behalf of one another. But then what are we fighting for? Who are we fighting for? We're fighting for one another. 
We're fighting for one another, supporting one another in our prayers. But then what are we fighting for? Number three, a prayer warrior battles for the spiritual maturity of others. A prayer warrior battles. When you hear that word battle, think prayer. Because that's what we're calling prayer. It's a battle. It's a struggle. It's a fight against the spiritual forces of evil. A prayer warrior battles for the spiritual maturity of others. Notice there in verse 13. Excuse me, at the end of of verse 12. I'm sorry, end of verse 12. It says that he is always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Notice what he is fighting for on behalf of the Colossians. That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. He is praying for their spiritual maturity. Now, I wonder if Paul was writing this about us. And he was writing about our prayer lives. And let's just say that we are praying for one another. What would he say we are praying for on behalf of one another? If we're just completely honest, and this isn't 100% of the time, but I, I would dare say that most often when it comes to the times in our lives where we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? We're not, I'm not talking about praying for someone who is lost and we're praying that they would be saved. That's a good thing to pray for. That's not, that's not what this passage is talking about. So I'm praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ, people who have trusted Christ and are seeking to walk with them. What do you often pray for your church family about? If you were to lift someone up in name, what, do you, what are you asking God to do for them? I would say a majority of the time it's to heal them from some kind of physical sickness. Before I go any further, is that a bad thing to pray for? No, it's not. That's a, that's a great thing to pray for. However, if we were to do a survey of, let's just say the New Testament, okay? Let's just say the New Testament. And we have a lot of information about prayer. We have lots of teaching about prayer, and we have lots of examples of prayers. Very, very rarely do we have any examples or instructions to pray for someone who is physically sick to get better. I'm not saying there aren't any, but it's very rare. An overwhelming majority of the teaching about prayer and the examples of prayer in Scripture are praying for the spiritual health of someone, not their physical health. I'm going to give you one example where we would pray for someone's physical state, and yet we see that person requesting a completely different prayer. At the end of Paul's section that I just read from Ephesians on spiritual warfare and put on the armor of God, he asked them to pray for him, which is appropriate. He just told them that they should be praying at all times and 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 so he says hey while you're at it pray for me i'm in prison i'd like to get out pray that god delivers my physical body it's not what he says he says hey while you're praying pray for me because i'm in prison and here's what i want you to pray 
that God would open my mouth, that I would speak the gospel more clearly so that more people can come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what he asked for, for, for prayer. Not to get out of prison. Not that he would, if he was sick, to get better. And we know that Paul did have some physical ailments. He didn't ask for prayer for those. He asked that God would open his mouth in that situation with those around him so that he would be able to speak the gospel more clearly. You can read that in Ephesians chapter 6. Why do we just pray about physical illness? Again, I've asked myself a lot of questions as I've looked at these two verses. And these are questions that I've asked myself for myself. Because I know that I need to grow in my walk with the Lord in this area of my life. Why, why is the majority of the prayer, our, our time of asking God to do things in one another's lives, consumed with physical illness and that kind of thing? And again, I'm not saying that's wrong, but why is that often the only thing? Well, because that's the only prayer requests we share with one another. If, if someone asks you, hey, how, how, can, I, can I pray for you? What's, what's, what can I pray for you about? You know what I'd be tempted to say? I've had a cold this week. <laughs> that's true. I've had a cold this week. I'm struggling with my voice, and, and uh, it's kind of sucked the energy out of me. And y'all know how it is when you have a cold. And could you just pray that the Lord help, help this cold to go away? That would be my prayer request. When was the last time someone said to you, or maybe when was the last time you said to someone else, can you pray for me? I've been struggling with anger towards my wife, towards my husband, towards my kids, towards my parents, towards this coworker, towards this neighbor. I've been struggling with that. That temptation is, is there. And can you just pray that I would resist the devil as he prowls around me like a roaring lion wanting to devour me with this anger? Would you pray that I would, I would put on the full armor of God and I would stand firm and that I would speak with, with love and with kindness to this person even when it's hard? Even when that battle in me says, oh man, I don't like this person. They're getting on my nerves and I, this anger just wants to flow out of me. Can you pray for me that, that I would... I would look like Jesus in those moments. When was the last time you asked for that kind of prayer? When was the last time I asked for that kind of prayer? If we're going to pray for one another, we have to spend time getting to know what is going on in each other's lives. And if we're going to pray for the spiritual needs of one another, we have to know what is going on in one another's lives spiritually. We've got to get to know one another, but we can't just talk about our hobbies or about what's been going on at work or about what homework is due next week got to talk about what the Lord's been teaching us, what the Lord's been convicting us of, what sin struggles that we have. We have to be open with one another. That's the only way that we can pray for one another the way the Bible calls us to pray for one another. Just quickly, I want to show you one example. If you're saying, I don't know what it looks like to pray for the spiritual needs of someone, let me give you a great model prayer. Flip back to chapter 1. 
Flip back to chapter 1. We actually have a prayer for spiritual needs listed. Now, this is Paul, probably Timothy, and probably Epaphras because he uses the word we. Verse 9 of chapter 1. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking. This is that supplication. So they're making requests to God. But what are they asking? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Do you know you could take that right there and you could turn it into a prayer for someone? Right now, think about someone. A brother or sister in Christ. They may be related to you in, a, in your physical family. They Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a friend. But they're related to you in Christ. A brother or sister in Christ. Maybe it's somebody that's sitting next to you. Okay? Maybe it's somebody in your Sunday school class. You just pick somebody. And then I want you to think about praying this for them. It would look like this. Father, please be with Matt. Fill him with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Please help him to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Of you, Father. Father, help him to walk in a way that's fully pleasing to you. At work this week. In his home. Help him to bear fruit in every good work and help him to be increasing in the knowledge of you, Father. You see what I did there? Just turn those into those words into a prayer. And we have lots of examples of those all throughout Scripture. But pray these prayers to God on behalf of one another. We've got to lift one another up in prayer. We've got to be praying for spiritual needs. But finally, the last question, to what extent do we fight? How, how, how far do we go in this battle? How hard do we fight? Number four, a prayer warrior expends great energy in battle. A prayer warrior expends great energy in battle. Soldiers don't come off the battlefield clean and full of energy. They come off dirty and tired. Notice the words here. We already used one struggling there in verse 12, but then notice in verse 13. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Now, I'm sure that work that Epaphras was doing was more than just prayer. As we see, he's sharing the gospel with people. He's doing other things. But I know that prayer would be included in that hard work because that's just what Paul has been talking about in the previous verse as he describes Epaphras. He is struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He is working hard for you. To what extent are we willing to fight for one another? We expend great amounts of energy. It's hard to pray. At least to pray the way that Scripture calls us to pray. It takes energy. It takes us being on our A-game, so to speak. I mean, we can't be half asleep at the end of the day. 
Oh, I'm about to be a prayer warrior. Father, please do. You're not going to fight a battle like that. You've got to be ready. You've got to be rested. You've got to be prepared because it's hard work. And sometimes it's dirty. Being a prayer warrior can be messy. We've got to get involved in one another's lives. And that's not always something that's nice and clean because our lives are not always nice and clean. And if we're really struggling in prayer on another's behalf, it'll tire us out. It will. It takes energy. But it's worth it. It's worth it. My voice is almost gone. Let me give you just, just a few points of application as, as we close and as you think about putting this into practice in your lives. We don't just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers. Number one, ask God to help you always be aware of the spiritual battle. Maybe one of the things that in a moment when we sing our hymn of invitation, you just bow your head and you say, God, I haven't been thinking about the fact that I'm at a war every day. Help me to see this war. Help me to look with spiritual eyes and see this battle that is raging. Number two, ask a brother or sister in Christ what spiritual need they have that you can pray for them about. Don't just go home and sit around and go, all right, let me put this into practice. You've got to ask somebody. You've got to say, hey, hey how, how can I pray for you? What's God doing in your life? What's a way that I can pray for you spiritually? What's something that you're struggling with that I, that I could lift before the Father? But if you ask that, then number three, you also have to be willing to open up your heart and share your spiritual needs with others as well. And number four, work hard at it. Work hard in prayer. Labor in it. Struggle before the Father on someone else's behalf. Fight in prayer for your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to go to war on your behalf. And I want you to go to war on my behalf. And I want us to go to war on one another's behalf in prayer. And I think when we do, all these other marks of a healthy church member will begin to fall into place in our lives. Maybe, maybe that's what you could ask. You could say, hey, which of the marks of a healthy church member do you think you're the most weak at? So I can pray for you. Here's the, here's the one that I'm the weakest in. Can you pray for me? Just be real practical in it. If you're a child of God, you have complete access to headquarters. You have complete access to the commander-in-chief who, as we saw just a couple of weeks ago, provides us with everything we need for life and godliness. Sometimes we don't ask Him for that. Maybe you need to ask for those things on behalf of a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you need someone to ask for those things on your you're not a child of God, then you don't have access to the Father. But you can. Jesus paid the way for you to have access to the Father. Full and complete. Free access anytime, all the time. He paid with His own blood. And you can trust in Him. Receive forgiveness of sins. 
And then you can go to the Lord in prayer and be a prayer warrior as well. If you are saved, let's get after it. Let's spend time laboring in prayer for one another. And I can promise you, we will see God do amazing things in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to put Your Word into practice. Help us to be doers of Your Word and not hearers only. Father, praying is hard. It takes faith. Father, it takes patience. Father, it takes steadfastness. It takes watchfulness. Father, it takes intentionality. It takes us getting to know one another on a deeper level. But Father, we have no excuse. Because of the blood of Jesus, You have opened up a a complete and free, full access to You. And we can come before You with our requests. Father, help us to pray for spiritual needs. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to labor in battle. Father, help us to see the battle that is around us. Father, help us to put Your words into practice. Father, I pray that every one of us would be Epaphroditus. Father, help us to be prayer warriors just like Paul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.